Hello, everyone, and welcome to His Health, the show where we'll be tackling the health issues that are most important to men. I'm your host, Rick Malambri, and we're going inside the topics that men of all ages need to know and taking you out of the comfort zone when it comes to those health issues that men don't normally like to discuss. So let's get started. With me today is Dr. Daniel Getz. Dr. Getz is board certified in emergency medicine, and he is the chief medical officer at Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center in Spokane. Today, we're going to be deep diving into what foods and diets are best for men of different ages and how you can best take care of your body with the foods you eat. Today's episode of His Health is brought to you in partnership with Providence and Boston Scientific. And remember, everyone, many of our questions come from listeners on social media, and we can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. Lastly, before we start today, I want our listeners to know the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. All right, so let's get started by welcoming Dr. Getz. Dr. Getz, how are you? Doing really well, Rick. Thanks. How are you? Doing fine. Uh, for everyone that's listening, can you give us a little bit about yourself and, and what your role is at Providence? Yeah, certainly. My name is Dan Getz. Um, I'm trained and board certified in the practice of emergency medicine and now function as the chief medical officer for the acute division of Providence Healthcare in Spokane. So help run Sacred Heart Holy Family Hospitals. Also, roughly 10 years ago, started a men's health clinic. So have quite a bit of experience uh, helping manage men, particularly in dealing with the right type of exercise, diet, different things that they can do to help with longevity and health. Perfect, which aligns with uh, our topic today. So today we're discussing nutrition, uh, but specifically nutrition plans for men's health. How do you feel nutrition plays into our overall health? Absolutely a cornerstone of, of, of good health. I think when you look at the, the things that we have to do, kind of the mind, body, spirit, uh, you know, you are what you eat, at least what grandma used to tell us, it's probably true to some degree. So right. this fuel certainly helps drive our health. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, is there one particular diet for men or, or do you, you know, does it vary by age, activity level or other factors? You know, I think good, good diet, good nutrition is, is important all throughout the spectrum of age. Uh, certainly as we're younger, I look at, you know, 20 year old Dan Getz versus 45 year old Dan Getz. What if I, if I'm not eating in the right manner, I certainly sow those effects much uh, sooner than I did when I was in my twenties. But I think Really, the spectrum of, of nutrition is, is broad and making appropriate choices throughout our whole life can certainly help um, drive us towards health later in life. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm about to hit 40 and uh, I'm definitely feeling that myself. You know, I, I used to be able to eat anything under the sun and now it's it's uh, I got to watch every little thing to keep myself feeling like I'm I've got the energy throughout the day, things like that. So I can completely understand that. Uh, what are some of the dangers of, uh, you know, the, the fad diets out there like keto and Mediterranean raw diet and others, uh, are there any kind of, uh, are those healthy options or do you find that they, they work for certain people or they don't work for others? And what's your thoughts on that? You know, I think the key with diet is consistency. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of choices that you can have in your diet, uh, as far as what's the right things to eat. Some of the fad diets, um, you know, keto, for example, which I think has, has a lot of benefits. The problem I tend to see in people on ketogenic diets is they're pretty restrictive. Mm -hmm. And when they fall off the wagon, and I've yet, yet to see a patient who hasn't fallen off the wagon at some point, 
they tend to fall into some pretty bad habits, um, which can lead to, to weight gain and, and development of other things if they, if they don't get back into a healthy pattern of eating. Um, the example of Mediterranean diet, Mediterranean diet's very, very healthy diet. And I think the Mediterranean diet really came from, you know, what they eat in the Mediterranean region, which is a nice balanced diet, which has healthy fats and, and um, vegetables and, and really kind of varied. So that, I wouldn't call that a fad diet. That's just a healthy way. Um, but, you know, some of these protein only diets, I think can be restricted to the point where people have a hard time picking the right foods. So they tend up eating, tend to be eating a lot of salt if they're eating processed uh, options for protein, sometimes they can be really, really high in saturated fats mm -hmm. if they're not broadening to include other healthier options. Um, really, when we work work with patients to try and find healthy dietary options, we really want them to approach it from a lifestyle standpoint. And Absolutely. How to make the right choices, which are going to help them achieve health. Yeah, I was going to say that because I, I I feel like for me, the, the word diet just has a almost like a negative connotation. I feel like the, the real word is, is like a life, like you said, like a lifestyle. Um, cause most people think diet, Oh, I can go on this diet. And then, you know, later on I might not want to do it. And then, and then you end up bouncing back to those, those bad habits. Like it, diet is actually more of like a, you have to live that lifestyle, right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, you look at the cornerstones of good health, diet's key, exercise is key, getting good sleep is key, taking care of your mental health. I'm a huge fan of meditation. Really addressing all of those different facets really helps address the human as a rubric. And I think if we're hitting on all cylinders, we're addressing all those needs, and that's when we're going to feel the best. And if you're not really addressing those, I think, as you said, diet has that restrictive connotation. It feels like you're taking something away. Um, mm -hmm. If you're not feeling well in all facets of life, it's going to be really hard for an individual to stick to uh, a restrictive diet with a goal of weight loss. We really want you to take that mindfulness approach and realize that this is one aspect of whole person care. And once you start feeling better from eating better, then it's then it rewards itself. It's easier to stick to it. Yeah, that's one slice of the pie. So does eating organic truly make a difference? Like, How do you feel about that? You know, I think in certain cases, organic makes a lot of sense. Um, we're finding you know, lots of different chemicals that we didn't really understand how they impact the body. And some of those are pesticides. We look at, you know, uh, containers that, that contain certain types of plastics that can leach into what we're eating or drinking and even affect our endocrine system. So I think there are certain advantages to organic foods. I think there's also certain, certain foods that probably you're safe to eat that aren't organic. I think organic has a bit of a, 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 a marketing connotation. I think yeah. it's a way for certain companies to make money. I couldn't go through a list and tell you every single thing that makes sense, but I think the concept as a whole, limiting how much we're um, applying to real food as far as chemicals, makes really, really good sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, for a, in a nutrition point of view on our health, uh, how does poor nutrition show up in our health? What what are some of the more subtle uh, signs? Yeah, you know, I think probably the earliest signs is just not feeling well. I mean, you should have good sustained energy throughout the day. Um, as we age, I think the, you know, I hate to use the term sins of our youth, but some of those choices that we make when we're younger um, can impact our health as we're older. And so weight gain, for example, is generally pretty insidious. You know, you might put on one to two, three pounds a year and not recognize it for five or 10 years. And now you're walking around uh, above where you really need to be for a healthy body weight. Um, so I think if you're not able to maintain the normal activities of your daily life, if you're having a hard time having the energy to stay awake and, and do those things after work, 
I think that's probably a good sign that there's multiple variables that need to be addressed. And almost always diet is one of those things that we have to look at. And, you know, as we're busier and the older we get, the more we tend to be working until it's retirement. And often what we do is the things that we put on the back burner are those habits that are best for us. Right. So this is one of those things like, like, you know, in your own self, it's making those good choices daily and you can eat good to feel good now, right? A lot of those things that are bad for us taste really good and make us feel really good in the moment, or you can eat good to feel later. And hopefully you can find those foods that fit both categories where you feel good now and later with those appropriate choices. Right. And I'm finding that more and more, uh, as I get older that, you know, doing more research on my health and what I eat and things like that, that our bodies, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we have allergies to certain types of foods and things like that, that could be doing us more harm than good. Yeah, absolutely. And in certain things, we just don't tolerate as well as we get older. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. If I have a, a meal later in the evening, that's high in salt and I mix it with a couple of drinks of alcohol. You know, I, I sleep pretty terribly. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's all intertwined. What other uh, what other ways can a poor diet affect a man's health and lifestyle? Uh, can nutrition affect a man's sex life? Oh, absolutely. You know, our, our second topic, we're going to talk about cardiovascular disease. Those downstream effects of poor diet, poor lifestyle choices, um, you know, lack of exercise, lack of lack of sleep those all affect organ systems down the road. Cardiovascular disease is probably the prime example. You know, you think about blood vessels and they're really just little pipes that carry blood. And mm -hmm. if you have eaten a diet that, that promotes high blood pressure and is high in, in the wrong type of fats and those blood vessels start to narrow, it really impacts the organ downstream. Um, you know, erectile function is one of those things that we can tend to see early on in cardiovascular disease, which is a big red flag. Um, you know, I, I tend to think of the penis as the barometer for men's health. And if we're not having good performance in that aspect, it, it's probably um, a wake up call that we have to start addressing all of those variables that affect cardiovascular health and overall health, which again is that diet, exercise, um, you know, sleep, making good choices to keep yourself in a good mental, mental state. Um, all equally important, but it starts young. There's no early enough age to start eating right. And what we tend to see in patients that develop these things down the road, including heart disease or stroke, um, you can't drive the car in reverse to put rubber back on the tires, right? We can certainly right. optimize ourselves at that time, but when you really want to start paying attention to these things is years before you're at risk for showing those symptoms. And, and you know, type two diabetes, for example, is, is a spectrum of symptoms that present well before people start having elevated blood sugar. Right. And it's very, very difficult to reverse it at that point, but you can start making good choices in your 20s and 30s that hopefully prevent you from developing that in your 40s, 50s, and later. Yeah, and, and hopefully stabling it out some in some way, right? Absolutely. Now, we've discussed in previous episodes on his health about being overweight, how it can affect things like erectile dysfunction and prostate issues, uh, what else can be affected that we may not realize? And, and can these be eliminated or helped with a better diet? As you said, um, you know, being aware of the possibility of type two diabetes and things like that. Uh, what, what do you see that can be affected that we may not realize as we're getting older and things like that? Yeah, great question. You know, one of the, one of the organ systems that often gets neglected when we talk about things like this is brain health. And we certainly see um, risk factors of developing earlier dementia in people that have lifestyles that aren't conducive to health, which include eating right, 
And what's really interested in, interesting is when you look at, at each individual genetically, we all are predisposition to certain diseases more than others. And we have these, they call them SNPs, which is single nucleotide polymorphisms, which depending on what you express, you may have higher risk factors for heart disease or dementia, those types of things. And it's a little bit of the nature uh, versus nurture where we can make decisions, we can adopt habits that make it less likely for us to develop those conditions. So eating well, sleeping well, exercising, if you have a big family history of say Alzheimer's dementia can decrease the likelihood of you developing that condition early on. So it's, it's all intertwined. And the more we learn, the more we realize how connected every system is. Yeah. Well, we may have some, uh, speaking of exercising, uh, we may have some listeners out there who who do live a healthier lifestyle and eat well, but also want to uh, build muscle in a healthy way. What kind of diets or eating plans do you recommend for someone like that? You know, I think when you look at developing muscle mass, a lot of it has to do with certainly the work that you're putting in. So mm -hmm. the type of exercises that you're doing in the gym, what are your activities? Um, but also making sure that you're eating a well-balanced diet. Um, you know, I think getting enough protein in the diet is key, but it's certainly easy for people to overdo protein also. Yeah. But if you're eating a well-balanced diet, including the, the right amount, and, you know, FDA is a pretty good resource for looking at the type of macros that you need. By macros, I mean, you know, how much fat, how many grams of carbohydrates, how many grams of protein. If mm -hmm. you're doing those, you shouldn't have any restrictions to developing muscle mass if you're doing the appropriate type of activities. Now, you know, as men, as we get older, um, and I'm sure you see this as well, when I, you know, went to the gym regularly, I certainly saw changes much sooner than I do um, at 45. And I'm probably not going to have the capacity to get as strong as I did when I was in my 20s, just based on changes in our hormonal profiles. But you're still certainly going to see results. And those results from good exercise, and that includes not just cardiovascular exercise, but resistance training will help promote that muscle mass that keeps us living independently longer in our, in our later on in our lives and also helps us recover from critical illness. Gotcha. And going along with that, what's the healthiest way to increase fiber in our diets other than salads and greens like that? Yeah. You know, the, the fruits and vegetables, um, tend to be our best sources of fiber. So, you know, we always talk to patients about dietary counseling. When you go to the grocery store, shop the perimeter of the grocery store. The, mm -hmm. the closer you get to the center of the grocery store, that tends to be the least healthy options for you. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, eating fruits and vegetables, getting, you know, whole grains. If you're going to eat things with starch, make sure they're, they're not refined starches. So whole grains, legumes, beans, things like that have great sources of fiber. Um, your green leafy vegetables, really all those brightly colored fruits and vegetables are also high in all kinds of different chemicals that are good for aging and longevity. Um, but really, if you, you have a hard time getting fiber, you can certainly get a, a cereal that has a fiber supplement. Uh, you can take Metamucil to help get your soluble fiber. But the best way to get nutrients is really from whole foods, real foods that are minimally processed that you prepare yourself. Yeah, the natural way. We'll be back with more on Nutrition for Men right after this short break.
Health is back with our guest, Dr. Getz, and we're discussing nutrition for men. What are superfoods or antioxidants? Do we do we need those, or can we get by without them? No, I mean, so these are these are ingredients and things that we used to eat in abundance when before we developed into this society where everything's kind of at our doorstep and we don't have to forage or really work uh, to get the things that we need to survive. So these type of superfoods are really just foods that are high in chemicals that help uh, reduce inflammation or prevent oxidization, which is uh, you know free radicals, the term we heard, which can accelerate the aging process or promote damage to DNA or what we call cellular senescence, which is cellular aging. So you know examples would be um, dark uh, green leafy vegetables or uh, blueberries, uh, for example, or another superfood. Um, certain examples of fish, we call the smash fish. Uh, salmon, for example, mackerel, uh, anchovy, sardines, herring, all uh, herring all contain really, really good healthy fats. And that's what you see in the Mediterranean diet, where you're really eating a good composition of foods that contain these chemicals that promote aging and decrease inflammation. The more processed the food that we um, generally the higher density it has from a caloric standpoint. So you're getting this huge amount of calories in a small amount of food and your mm -hmm. body doesn't have to take a whole lot of steps to break it down. 
you know, think of, think of a donut, which is just, you know, starch, fat, and sugar, which is kind of the worst combination you get. I guess yeah. if you salt on it, that would be even worse. But your body has to take very, very few steps to break that down into its constituents. So you get this huge amount of glucose immediately, which means your pancreas has to work harder to secrete more insulin. And then when your cells see that more insulin, they tend to be a little bit less responsive to that over time when you have this repetitive um, exposure to high glucose which leads eventually to type two diabetes. So eating the right amount of calories as well as the right amount of foods or, or the right type of foods are equally important. Yeah. And I'm sure that ties into our next question, which is, you know, as we get older, we start to notice that, you know, our, we get this little donut, if you will, around our belly section. And as a, as a male, like what, what causes that? And at what age do, does it become harder for a man to, to fight that belly fat? Yeah, you know, it's, that's unfortunately part of being a male is we tend to store our body fat on our trunks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's very different for women who tend to put on the buttocks and the hips. That's, that's a part of the aging. And so as we get older, that becomes more of an issue, which means we have to eat a little bit better aligned with making the appropriate choices with food and then make sure that we're burning enough calories in a day doing the right type of exercise and, and muscle building is key if, if you carry more muscle mass you burn more calories even at rest so think about the muscles as the dynamo of calorie burning so doing those two about two exercises types of exercise together will help that really at age 30 is when we start to see men develop declining testosterone levels Right. And if you look at the literature and it varies a little bit, but you can see variation by year of a decrease of roughly one to 3% per year. So if you cross 40 and you compare it to 30, you could be potentially 30% lower, have a third less testosterone than you had when you were 30, which means you're probably going to carry less muscle mass, which means you burn less calories. So as we age, mm -hmm. we need to make sure that our activity level is up there. And we really have to understand how many calories we should be consuming in a day based on our activity. And if you can try and find that good equilibrium, that should decrease your ability uh, to store fat in those difficult to treat regions. But it's, it's tricky, man. It's a, it, you become yeah. an old man, you're probably going to have a little bit of belly fat. on you. Absolutely. And, and trying to keep it off. Is it just a good balance of, like you said, diet and, and exercise and keeping your, your energy levels up? Yes. So besides diabetes, what other health conditions are attributed to poor diet? I mean, you touched on a few, but what are your top that you see a lot of the time? Yeah, you can see uh, high blood pressure, hypertension can be associated with dietary choices. Um, you can also see um, the whole spectrum of things that are related to obesity. So cardiovascular disease, developing stroke or developing heart attack or peripheral vascular disease, which is the term we use for basically narrowing blood vessels elsewhere in the body. So people can have plaque buildup on the blood vessels that go into their legs, which makes it harder for them to exercise and get blood flow there. Mm -hmm. It can threaten those limbs. Um, if you put on excessive weight, that can cause you to develop obstructive sleep apnea, which is also a big, big risk factor for developing heart disease and stroke down the road. So really it's, it's all linked. Dementia that we talked about can be impacted by your, your health choices. Um, they're really kind of all tied to, to diet and activity. Again, genetics plays a huge role, but with these choices that we make, we can certainly decrease the risk of us developing those diseases that tend to run in our heredity. Right. There's always room for improvement in some form or facet. And with inform, uh, and with uh, improving health faster for a long term, what, what do you suggest is 
what's better diet or exercise are obviously a combination of both is probably the best bet yeah you know it's i would say both um you know they both play such a critical role there's certainly people that have gotten to a weight where it's difficult for them to exercise and so you can certainly lose weight with diet alone but at some point when you get to a point where you can start doing more physical activity it's really incredibly important that you start doing that activity. And what's what's so discouraging for patients, and I've seen this over and over again in helping patients lose weight, is they, they just don't feel comfortable stepping into a gym. They feel like they don't fit in. And you need to really get over that feeling. A little bit of exercise, any type of exercise, always beats no exercise. So whether it's getting up and down out of your chair 10 times in a row, once every hour, or if it's taking a gentle stroll down your block, we really need to exercise the muscles in the body. We need to exercise the heart. This helps brain health. And that's as equal as making those right choices. So if we can work on the sleep, if we can work on the diet, if we can work on the exercise piece, if we work, can work on stress reduction mechanisms, those all are going to add up to improved health down the road. Yeah. Now, Dr. Guess, is there anything else you'd like to add to our, to let our audience know about nutrition or how it pertains to men's health that we haven't really covered? You know, it's one of those things that I think from the periphery, it seems really, really complex. And I'm never going to understand it. But I think if you really dive into it, you'll realize that making the appropriate choices from a dietary standpoint are pretty easy. You know, I, I always joke back to what grandma used to say. Grandma was probably mostly right. You know, if you eat things that are fresh <laughs> that you have to prepare, they're not highly processed. That's a pretty good indicator that you're eating the right type of foods and then making sure that you're not eating too abundance. And I think there's a huge part of mindfulness with when you feel full, when you feel sated, stop eating and maybe mm -hmm. stop eating a little bit before that. I think as Americans, we, we eat pretty quick. You know, we're on the run. We're working, you know, 12 hours in an eight hour day. And we, we sometimes aren't really mindful of what we're doing at the time because we're caught in that spot of thinking about what we have to do when we get home from work, what we have to do at work. Stop and be present in that moment when you're eating. Pay attention to how your body feels and let that guide you if you need another bite. And if you combine that with eating the right type of bites, you'll find that that can lead to steady uh, progressive weight loss. And we have to remember that weight loss is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Sprint. There's no lose 20 pounds in a week like you see on the headlines of the Inquirer, right? If you're losing right. between one and four pounds a month, I'm thrilled for you. And hopefully you're doing the right type of activity during that time that you're putting on muscle mass. So it's not getting to a weight that you think is the right weight, you're going to get to that weight doing the right things, but we want to get you to a better body composition where you have more muscle, less fat, better cardiovascular endurance. And that starts with choosing the right things. Yeah, absolutely. And to touch on your being aware of your body and how much what you're eating and how, how it feels after you've eaten a certain amount, my, my wife, she's half Korean and she was telling me the other day about chopsticks and how, um, the use of chopsticks is to basically basically to, to allow you to regulate how much food you're eating because once your body understands like you're not eating like we as americans we just shove a fork in our mouth and you know eat 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 until we're we're almost bursting at the seams but it it allows you to have that regulation to to eat just a little bit at a time to feed yourself and know exactly when you're full and your body will tell you and things like that so it's, it was very interesting to hear Oh, and it's, it's absolutely right. I think when you look at, at, at societies that have higher longevity, higher health, you look at the, the rituals surrounding eating. You know, eating should be a chance to socialize and sit down, and it should take a long time. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, you pull up to a hamburger store and you, you get a burger that has 900 calories and you shovel it in in five minutes, you you never get that point where your body says, hey, I've had enough. It's time to step away from the burger. Right. <laughs> so yeah. One of those things where if we look back to cultures that have lots of health, you'll see that they take longer to eat. They're more mindful of what they're doing. And they also get more exercise. You know, these are cultures where they spend more time walking. And it really is that whole spectrum, that whole health approach where you're going to see steady, sustained changes. That leads to longevity. And that's how we have to approach it. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Guest, before we let you go, we have a couple of social questions that people have written in and uh, asked about. So Lance from Twitter asks, are protein shakes and powders good for you, or is it better to use natural sources of protein? And if they are okay to use, should I limit them to when I'm working out that day? Yeah, really interesting question. And, and so protein shakes are interesting. You get, a, you get a good amount of protein, you know, 20 to 50 grams, depending on how many you're putting scoops in there of usually whey protein. And it can be certainly a good way to supplement protein. I would encourage people, we don't want to go too overboard with protein. And, and there's a process in metabolism, we call it gluconeogenesis, where your body can convert protein into carbohydrates. And mm-hmm. so you can convert protein into glucose, which then gets stored as triglycerides, which is fat. So if you're if you have a hard time, and we see this in elderly folks, where maybe they have a hard time getting enough protein in their diet just because they don't have the capacity to eat enough, having a boost shake or something like that, maybe one or two times a day makes makes good sense. Now, if you're, you're a young man and you're, you're trying to build muscle and you want to make sure you hit your goals, I think it's better to get that protein from a real protein source. Again, that processed protein, it's easier for our body to absorb that, um, which has yeah. some benefit, but real food always beats heavily processed kind of fake food. And mealtime, frequency of the protein shake um, after working out, there's, there's a lot of bro science behind this. So if you talk to a yeah. body they want to get it in ASAP. But when you look at all kinds of horrible conditions, your body's pretty clever at metering this stuff out. If you take a bunch of protein pretty quickly, um, you know, you're probably going to urinate a fair amount of that back. You know, you kind of overwhelm the kidney's capacity, reabsorb some of these proteins from the urine. So I would say, you know, just space it throughout your day, do the right exercise and making sure that you're not getting overly aggressive with protein. I've seen patients taking four or 500 grams of protein a day. That's just excessive. Very yeah people on this planet need more than 200 grams. Um, so, you know, do the research on what you think you need based off your activity level and what your performance goals are. But remember, we're, we're not Olympians. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and our last question touches on that other side of protein. Uh, Jacob from Instagram asks, how much meat should I be eating and different diets say different things? And should I be cutting out red meat altogether? No, I think red meat is delicious. <laughs> you know, so it's absolutely yeah. <laughs> and so you know, I think anything in moderation. When we look at at um, diets around the world in societies that are known for longevity, you tend to see that they eat less protein and they're more vegetable forward. Mm-hmm. But most cultures, it's still very much a part of their diet. And so I think eating smaller portions and not eating red meat too frequently makes sense from the standpoint of cardiovascular health. We certainly worry about cholesterol profiles in, in, in patients that eat lots of red meat. And we do see um, a predilection towards the develop of, of cardiovascular disease in those individuals. Now, that's not everybody. Not everybody has that genetic risk factor for that, but it makes sense to, to, to eat these things in moderation. So I, I think if you make good, varied choices of your protein, including healthy fish and, and other lean choices of meat, and combine that with plenty of vegetables, 
you're going to be fine. I think that's probably the hallmark I would live for when I'm, I'm choosing dietary options with my goal of, you know, living in my house independently as long as I can and living a long time. Mm -hmm. So like you said, balance is, is definitely key. Absolutely. Well, great. Dr. Getz, it's been a pleasure having you on today. And uh, we definitely look forward to having more of these conversations with you in the future. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure, Rick. Thanks for having me. It was a joy. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Getz for joining us today on His Health, our friends at Boston Scientific for sponsoring the show, and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to continuing the conversation on men's health with more experts from Providence in future episodes. So make sure to listen to all of our shows on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or on your favorite podcast platform. And follow us on social media where we can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our mission, programs, and services, go to Providence.org. Thank you for listening and be healthy. <laughs> <laughs>